Hey, I hope you're having a great day today. Welcome to Daily Dose. Hope you join us today as we dive into scripture and we take a look at what God's word has to say for us today. Hey, how are you doing today? It is November 28th and welcome to Daily Dose. Today, I want to talk about a man that uh, I found fascinating. I actually came across in research for someone else. Uh, And actually, in my research of Martin Luther, I came across this man. Now, many of you may know, I grew up in Germany. Uh, In fact, I grew up, my dad was stationed in Würzburg, Germany. And so when I saw this man mentioned in a source uh, from Luther's biography uh, from a guy named from a guy from Würzburg, uh, my ears or my eyes kind of peaked up a little bit and I got interested. So today I want to talk about a man that has a funny name uh, and an even funnier past. A man by the name of Theodoricus Morung, or as he's more commonly known, Diedrich Morung. Now, Diedrich Morung uh, is a very esoteric person. He wasn't uh, widely known. He wasn't uh, the greatest person. He wasn't just uh, <laughs> the most well-known person. He he was just a nobody. He was the pastor of the uh, cathedral Parshen in Würzburg. What sets him apart, why he's important, is he was preaching reformational ideas in the late 1400s. Dietrich Morung helped to lay a lot of the foundation for what we see today. We talked last week about people that were laying the firewood that Luther would eventually just set on fire. Dietrich Morung did the same thing. He was born around 1437 uh, in Hausfeld. Uh and there's really not a lot known about his life up until uh, his university days. Uh, they know he came from a moderately uh, wealthy family. Uh, he wasn't really, there's not a whole lot in his early life to suggest that he went through a lot of hardships. There's really not a whole lot in his life to denote that he went through uh, anything uh, of that kind. But Dietrich Morung uh, was a man who worked hard. And so he learned this worth ethic from somewhere, uh, which is important for us to know. In the summer of 1455, he enrolled at the University of Erfurt. Uh, now, Erfurt was uh, one of the places in which uh, Luther... Um, would have to stand and, and defend uh, his thesis. And he would later go on uh, into the University of Jana and uh, Bologna. And, and so uh, he would continue his education. He would receive his bachelor's from Air Force, uh, essentially what we would consider his master's uh, from Jena and Bologna, he would receive his doctorate. Uh, and so uh, he would go into law. He worked as a, a as a as a eternity for law in Rome for 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 religious law. And so he 
would continue essentially uh, until he would become the archbishop of Bambuk, um, which wasn't really the archbishop. He was he was something equivalent to an archbishop, but he wasn't really given the title of an archbishop. Uh, and so uh, he was considered the, the, the vicar general of the diocese uh, in all of Bamberg until 1482, uh, when this idea, these ideas that, that, that Morung was preaching were considered extremely radical. Uh, in fact, there was a tax dispute where, where clergy were uh, required to pay taxes uh, with the Achilles uh, Margrave Albright. Uh, and what happened was Morung refused to pay, which essentially cost him uh, his vicarship. And so he went back to school, essentially, to study theology at the University of Ferrara uh, until 1487. And in 1487, uh, remember, he's already uh, about 50 uh, at this time, and he leaves the university to pastor Würzburg's cathedral. Uh, I remember this church. I remember exactly how it looked. Uh, I remember, uh, I remember, I think actually being inside of it. And what's cool is, you know, I knew nothing about Diedrich Morung back then. I didn't know really anything about religion back then. Uh, the Germans are very, uh, Catholic. Uh, they're very traditional. They have, they have these giant, uh, cathedrals everywhere, uh, and people go to church, but they don't really discuss their faith. Uh, they do. You will not catch a German openly sharing their faith. Like we, you know, if we were, if I was to drive to downtown Sayersville, you would have people, you'd have a conversation on the street corner about their church and stuff like that. That, that doesn't happen in Germany. And so even back here, it was just, it was unheard of. And so, um, as Diedrich Morung was pastoring in, in Würzburg, the indulgence trades started ramping up. This is this is about the time where the indulgences, the 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 Catholics need money. And so they're funding, they're building projects, they're realizing their coffers are getting kind of low. And so they're using indulgences uh, to do this. And, and this angers Diedrich Morung. Now this is the same guy that stood up against a tax, uh, a clergy tax just a few, 10 years, uh, before this, actually not even 10 years. This was five years before this. And so, um, this is what caused him to stretch, I think, uh, into the realm of a reformer. Because what happened was Diedrich Morung began to read the scripture, began to see in scripture what was foundationally wrong with this. Now, remember, remember that this is what's happening is that pastors are reading the scriptures sometimes for the first time. Remember, they didn't have Bibles. And if they were, they were in languages that they couldn't speak. They learned these words in seminary. They learned these words in theological trainings. They did not truly understand. A lot of the pastors did not truly understand the words in which they were spoke. They just regurgitated the same sermons over and over and over again that they learned in seminary. 
But these pastors were reading the Bible for the first time. Until finally, as he's preaching, the the, the evil of indulgences, just a mere two years. He, he was a pastor for two years. And for two years, he spoke out against the selling of indulgences as, as, as unbiblical and as heresy uh, and challenged the papal legitimacy that that because of the indulgences, he actually publicly challenged the papal legitimacy, which, if you know anything, is extreme no-no in Catholicism. You never challenge the Pope. He is the final authority on everything, according to the Catholics, whereas Protestants, we believe that the Bible is the final authority. The Pope has the ability to change the Bible if he so feels or if he so chooses. So Dietrich Morong is preaching against this guy. Until finally in 1489, he's arrested. Uh, and he was arrested. And he was in prison for eight years uh, after an ecclesiastical trial where he was found guilty. Uh, he was actually found guilty of heresy against this. Now, most often, we look at this and we think, okay, well, he's found guilty, so he's obviously going to die. Traditionally, this is exactly what happened. This is what's so fascinating about Diedrich Morung. He was found guilty of heresy, but he wasn't executed. He was found guilty of heresy, but he wasn't executed. You know why? He recanted. This is what the huge difference is. He caved under the political pressure and he recanted. And I think this is why we don't study him as well. We don't know him as well because he ended up recanting. And he he goes on and there's a book. There's a single book about him in existence, by the way. And it sits in the public library in Germany. And my hope is when I do my doctoral work, uh, I want to travel to Germany and I want to read that book. It's written in German. It's 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 just part of the research archives in Germany, in Würzburg, in the library of Würzburg. Uh, and I want to read that book and learn more about his life because everything, I, everything I'm telling you is pieced together uh, from random translation snippets that I've gotten from this book. Uh, and, and it's just, there's a single book. It's about 65 pages about this guy's life, but he was in prison for about eight years. And he was released uh, through the mediation of the the Kilian Vabeba. Uh, and, and essentially, they went through and they just provided grantors to all of these feuds that were going on. And so what would end up happening for Diedrich Morung, and this is where I don't understand, I don't understand the, the arc of his character. After he recants in about 1500, remember he is uh, about 70 or 63 years old at this point, uh, he returns to Rome to become an administrator for the Pope. After he challenged the Pope's legitimacy, after he challenged the selling of indulgences, after he challenged everything, he was silenced. And then he went back to work for the church. I don't truly understand it. I don't truly know uh, a lot of what that was, but he would work there for eight years uh, until he would inevitably pass away. He would die in 1508. Uh, and <clears throat> there is a, there's a little bit known uh, about all of this, but the time that he spent 
at uh, the church that he, he pastored was uh, called uh, Neumesta Abbey. Uh, Neumesta Abbey was the church uh, in the name of the church in which he pastored. And uh, it was actually founded in 1058. And uh, can you imagine being worshiping in a church that is uh, over a thousand or almost a thousand years old at this point? Uh, but uh, Morung pastored this church and led the ideals of reform from the pulpit of this church. Until finally the political pressure caved in. He was spent eight years in prison and finally he recanted. After eight years of what one uh, what one writing says was he, he was beaten. Uh, he was tortured. He went through all of these extreme things. And he finally recanted and then went back to work for the church. But the days that he spent at Neumesta Abbey were what laid the foundation for the Reformation to sweep through Bavaria, what laid the Reformation to sweep through Southern Germany. For two years, he preached these reformational ideals until he was arrested. And that right there just speaks volumes to the type of man that Dietrich Morung was. Hope you've enjoyed getting to know a little bit about this man. I love, uh, I've loved researching this man he um he i'd love for him to be the source of my doctoral thesis uh, because i believe that he is such an influential uh member of the reformation even though he recanted even though he went back to work for the church i would love to know more about those eight years that he spent working for the church because you can't completely silence a reformer what kind of reform did he preach while working for the church I hope you have a fantastic day and I will see you tomorrow.